podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Dishonomics Podcast. I hope you've had a fantastic week. I know we're meant to be free, as you're probably hearing us on Monday and June the 1st, but it just wasn't meant to be, of course, earlier this week. Boris Johnson confirmed what I was hinting at in my last podcast, that we would not be completely removed from lockdown. It has been extended for another four weeks. So until July 19th, it is business as usual. So people, nothing's changed. Nothing's been rolled back. You're not being sent back indoors. It's just same as before. So all the rules that were in place from May 17th, they're still in play up until June, July 19th, unless something drastic happens. So fingers crossed this time next month, we will see lower COVID rates. We'll see less hospitalizations and we will be freed, especially for the people in the night time industry, I would love for them to start to be able to earn again. Now, this week's episode is pretty capitalist, to be honest. This stems from just a random discussion of luxury watches in one of my group chats. We we're talking about all types of watches. Um, my friends will talk about how much they love the Rolex Skydwell, a fantastic watch. And then we were speaking about Richard Millie's and we're talking about how much we don't like the design I often called that watch a Tamagotchi um somebody else called it a Benton watch or whatever so I thought wait obviously some of, some of my friends don't think it's the most aesthetically pleasing of watches why the hell does it cost so much so I thought let me go have a look into it then I thought this would be a pretty decent podcast topic so this week's episode I'm going to be delving back into the world of luxury. I'm not sure if you remember one of my podcasts, The Economics of the Status Symbol. First half of the podcast, I spoke about designer bags and I got the gist from my good pal, Mel's Wardrobe. Uh, she wasn't on the podcast, but she just hit me on some information regarding the Birkin bag, the Kelly bag, which are both by Hermes. I spoke on Louis Vuitton, Saint Laurent, and especially Chanel bags and how they maintain value over time and increasing value and how much is to do with the status symbol as well. Then in the second half of the podcast, I talked to my guy, my guy Manic, um, on the world of luxury watches. And we spoke about Rolexes, Pateks, Audemars, Hublots, all different types of watches. So I might try to link this the description in the description of this podcast to that episode to give you some more background knowledge, especially for the people interested in, in those watches and handbags, those brands specifically. So yeah, so back in this realm, we're looking specifically at the economics of the Richard Milley watch. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, let's go. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. Yo, what's going on, people? I hope you've had a fantastic week. I hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. Of course, happy Father's Day to the fantastic fathers out there. And my condolences to people who have lost their fathers prayers are with you my thoughts are with you of course now this week we're talking about the Richard Milley watch the economics of the Richard Milley watch why on earth are these big ass watches so damn expensive well I did my research so it's only right I share it with you people now 
in, within pop culture, Richard Millie watches have become even more popular. I'll say start in 2018, but especially in the last two years, I would say you hear it. Well, I listen to rap music, so I hear it all the time. I hear it when Meek Mill raps, when Drake raps, when Little Baby raps, when who else? Uh, Drake, have I said Drake? Future, all these different artists. I've seen it on the wrists of some footballers like Paul Pogba. I think I've seen it on Cristiano Ronaldo's wrist. Of course, Rafa Nadal. He might be the first person I saw wear Richard Milley. In fact, Odell Beckham once played an NFL game in a Richard Milley watch Orange to Tamachi's um, orange Cleveland Brown jersey. So I've always been intrigued these watches and I'm not, I'll keep it real with you people. They're not my favourite brand of watch. I think it looks a bit, ugh. but it's interesting to know why on earth do these watches cost that much? And if you don't know how much these watches cost, well, guess what? You're about to find out. First things first, what is Richard Mini? Um, a Swiss luxury watch, of course, the Swiss, they dominate the watch market from Patek Philippe to Rolex to Audemars Piguet, all these other, Vacheron Constantine, all these fantastic watches, brands tend to come from the Swiss region of the world. So it's a Swiss luxury watch, which is actually founded in 2001. So compared to the likes of Rolex and Patek Philippe, these watches that have been around for decades upon decades, this is a relatively new watch. I'm older than, <laughs> than the Richard Milley. Richard Milley is the same age as my little brother, who's just who's in uni. So this company was founded by Richard Milley as well as Dominic Genat, and they are based in Les Brillos in Switzerland. Of course, the brand specializes in luxury watches. So after studying marketing in Brescanon, Richard Milley, born in 1951, um, in, I'm going to try to pronounce this, but he was born in France, started to work at Finhall, a luxury watchmaking company in 1974. The company was bought by Mantra in 1981 and Richard Mealy rose to manage Mantra's watchmaking business, which he then included brands Yamaha and Coupillard-Jerome. Mantra's watchmaking activities were sold to Seiko, and many of us know that brand, who Richard Mealy left in 1992 to start a watchmaking business for jewellery firm Mubison. Now, following a disagreement with the commercial strategy at Mubison, or Mubison, where he was the shareholder, Richard Mealy left his position as general manager of the watchmaking division of the, of the place Vendom Jeweller and decided to launch his own range of watches. In late 1998, he presented his plan to his friend Dominique Genat, the owner of Montreux Valganet. Um, pronunciation of these watches, Jesus Christ, who he met in 1988. And they started to work on watches. And then, of course, they established their brand. And they started a, and they worked, of course, with Audemars Piguet, a brand that we all know and love. Now, so that's the history. So, of course, this is somebody with years of experience in the field. He's rose to the top of some luxury brands. And he started to disagree with the direction they're going. And he thought, you know what, F it, I'm going to do my own thing. And boy, was that a fantastic decision. Now, in terms of the company's valuation, it is due to be the, I believe, eighth Swiss watchmaking brand to be, um, to pass the 1 billion francs in terms of, uh, Swiss francs in terms of turnover. And about 1 billion francs is about just under 800 million 
pounds. So that's a that's a, of course a massive turnover. It was en route to do that back end of 2020, but of course COVID um hit. You know what I mean? COVID obviously slapped up a lot of people. So probably by now, I was reading an article that said that was date, dated in March that or reached that in a matter of months. So maybe it has done so now. And this will join um Audemars Piguet as the, as passing another company passing that one billion Swiss franc mark. And it's interesting as, of course, as I mentioned earlier, both companies collaborated and Audemars Piguet has a 10% stake in Richard Miller. So uh, back to the topic. So yeah, so we've got this company started by a disgruntled, talented watchmaker, started in 2001 and 20 years later, it's one of the biggest brands in the game. So of course, the topic is the economics of the Richard Miller and why does it cost so much? So I'm going to start with a quote from Richard Miller himself. He, who, and I quote, I want people to see my watches to go, wow. And the more they look at them, the more they get, the more they go into it, the more I want them to say, wow, I work on a razor blade between gimmickry and amazement. And you could kind of tell by the watch. You could turn tell it's a bit gimmicky and a bit like, raw. this is some mad technology going on here. So if you want to enter the Richard Mini Club in terms of ownership of one of the watches, that will cost you around £80,000, $80,000, sorry, 80 bags. That's a lot of money. And that's for the brands, that's for a brand new Richard Mini or RM005, which is their cheapest model. <laughs> if you go into the pre-owned market, you might be able to get that for 20%, um, a discount of 20% on retail. So about, pff, about just over $50,000, you might have to get the cheapest brand on resale. Prices from Richard Millie's range from $80,000 up to $2 million. Yes, that's right, $2 million. As Richard Millie's Turbo watches are extremely popular, you we should also note that the Turbo note, uh, model costs about 500 grand to 800 grand on average. So the most popular brand, I mean, a popular range of watches will cost you damn near half a million, almost up to a million dollars itself. An example of the popularity is if we look at the RM35-2 automatic Rafa Nadal, and that's the one we've seen Rafa Nadal spot before, that retails about $135,000. Of course, it's so hard to find retail, and I'm going to explain why later. So when looking at resale, it's about $160,000 on the resale, and that's if you're lucky, very, very crazy. Richard Miller has sports sponsorships from tennis to Formula One. And you're going to see the Formula One theme come up quite often. And these watches are super easy to spot. They're quite big face. They're described as a cross between a Formula One race car and a high-end times piece. The idiosyncrasy has helped build the brand. And idiosyncrasy is like something that's kind of one of one. It's peculiar. And you could definitely say Richard Miller watches are peculiar. Now, we know what the brand is. We know the origin of the brand. We know how much they're raking. We know how much these costs. Now we should understand why these watches cost so damn much. First thing to talk about is the material. One of the reasons why it costs so much is due to the famous unique case and their base plate materials, base plate materials such as carbon, nanotubes, gold fuse of carbon, and toughened ceramic. Also, they're normally used, these materials are normally used in the realm such as Formula One cars, 
aerospace and racing yards. So you're talking top of the range manufacturing engineering. Formula One cars are gonna cost a bucket load. Aerospace, need I say more? Yachts, racing yachts at like that, need I say more? The RM056 series and RM07-02 gem sets, Sapphire models have cases manufactured from Sapphire Crystal. So this is the level of detail and the high-end materials that are being used. Of course, if you're talking, if you're creating vases that have cases that have sapphire, come on, the price of the bit is gonna be high. Now, if we look at the materials, the metals used, white gold, red gold, and titanium are the only three metals used in the case manufacturing. Let me repeat that. White gold, red gold, and titanium are the only metals used. Okay, so in fact, there's almost no difference in the price between the same watch and the and the, and the price of the metals used in each watch. That's how detailed they go into it. And if you look at the case, it's described as a sandwich style. And this case is one of the most expensive and difficult to manufacture. Why is that? Well, it has three decks. It has the front bezel and the back bezel and the middle section. And each of these components are curved. Now, the three curved faces fit together so tight that they're within a hundredth of a millimeter together. So a hundredth of a millimeter. That's how tight this is. And this is to stop dust or moisture seeping through. So as I'm explaining this, it's probably best to have a picture of a Richard Milley to look at to kind of understand the vibe. So the materials used are extremely rare and expensive. You're talking sapphire, gold, flipping titanium, all types of crazy stuff. Now, if we're looking at the movement, it's described as a turbulent rotating cage movement. And this is a, a particular type of mechanic which escapement increases the accuracy. Like this type of movement is not standard when you look at watches. Now, in one instance, so if you look at the Richard Milley 018, run, the gear trained was compromised of wheels created for semi-pressure stone that had been placed within a heated brass surrounded before being fixed as a brass cord. The research required for such innovation takes years, which dedicate teams of watchmakers and micro-engineers. They spend so much time on molly, on mo molly, you know, don't put molly kids, so much time and money on research and understanding these materials and movements to create these watches. So the movement is high class, it's rare. The materials is high class and rare. But here we go to another two, in my opinion, the most interesting ones, because it more looks like human nature after what gives it an even bigger boost in terms of the pricing. Scarcity. Just not make subscribers and listeners know, scarcity, demand and supply. The more rare something is, the more, the harder it is to find, which means the price of it can go up because if if something's rare in supply, naturally demand's gonna outstrip supply. So you'll be able to charge more because there's not that many of it. Simply as and people are willing to pay more because they know that there's only a finite amount of this good or service. So we know that making a Richard Millie is very complex and time consuming as most of the work is actually done by hand. So all that stuff about the metals and materials and the craftsmanship with the movement, this is all mostly done by hand. Richard Millie makes less than 5,000 watches per year. 5,000. Now, now think about how many multi-millionaires from the rappers, 
to NFL players, like rappers, athletes, actors, hedge fund owners, crypto billionaires, tech giants, all oil money, like all different types of people with money and only 5,000 of these watches are created every year. Demand is absolutely outstripping supply on a mad one. Many models are produced in a limited edition, uh, in a limited edition manner as well. So the resale, that's why the resale market is so crazy because the resale market is probably the only way that most people can get access to these watches. They deliberately wanted to create an uh, exclusivity behind their brand. Now, people who have Richard Millie's, and this is a coin terms when people who have two people have Richard Millie's have a handshake, they call it a billionaire's handshake because the people that have these watches are going to tend to have a lot of money. Richard Millie have become only on the risk of the most elite members of society. They have created a sense of exclusivity to go along with the impressive innovation design and engineering. It's become a super high status symbol and is now up there along with Patek Philippe in terms of the top dons in terms of status symbols in the watch industry. And the difference with Richard Milley and Patek Philippe is that some of the most obscure and expensive Pateks are not that recognizable, but a Richard Milley is. Do you know what I mean? So there you have it. That's why Richard Milley's are super expensive. Or Richard Millet. I don't know what the correct manager is. I don't really care. I do care. I'm capping. They're scarce. They are a status symbol. The manufacturing is very, very expensive and timely because of the materials you use and innovation. So yeah, there you have it. The economics of the Richard Milley. Let me know your thoughts on your favorite Richard Milley watch. Would you ever buy it if you have all the money in the world? Do you, do you think they're good looking? What are your favorite watches? Please let me know on Twitter, Insta, all those things. Until next week, peace and blessings, people. Bow. Sports Social Podcast Network.